The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. morning we are in week three uh, of our series entitled Relationship Matters uh, because it really does. You and I are in relationship each and every day. We have familial relationships with our immediate and extended families. Uh, we have collegial relationships with people at work. Uh, we have friendships. We have romantic relationships with our spouses or dating partners. Uh, and it's important for us to think about how our faith um, and our identity as Christians ought to shape these relationships. Uh, so in week one, we looked at the topic of singleness. Uh, last week, we looked at friendship. And this week, we're on to the topic of dating. Now, if you've ever tried to do a Control-F search of the Bible, a keyword search of the Bible, you'll find that the word dating doesn't appear in our English Bibles. Um, and that's because it's a very much a modern thing. In, in Bible days, the, the process of dating was actually your parents coming together and figuring out whether you'd be a good match for each other. And much of, I'm sure a lot of us, particularly young people, are so glad that that has changed in today's society. Dating is very much a modern concept. Uh, and, and so often we, we, we take the fact that there's no, uh, I guess, quotable verse uh, about dating particularly. And sometimes we can make the mistake of thinking the Bible has nothing to say about it. And if we do, we'd be gravely wrong. Uh, because the reality is the Bible actually has a lot to say. Uh, and a lot to say about what ought to guide our thinking, our conduct, and our approach to dating relationships. Uh, and so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to draw out some uh, principles around that. And if you're worried or you're wondering how this works, it's not a foreign concept. Right? The Bible doesn't say anything about whether you should invest in the stock market or in real assets, right? But it says a lot about good financial stewardship, and so we apply it to the practical things of today's society. And so in much the same way, we're going to look at what the Bible has, about, has to say about relationships, about marriage, about conduct, that will have particular applications to our understanding of dating. Now, if you're here this morning, again, this is one of those topics where a lot of us are tempted sometimes to say, I'm past this season, this is not relevant to me, so I'm going to check out. This is a time to catch up on some sleep or uh, on social media. But I want to encourage you to not do that. And the reason is because a lot has changed in dating over the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. What you might have experienced in your time dating or looking for a spouse is different often to what is the case today. Uh, a lot of us have maybe kids that are uh, going into that stage of life where uh, dating is about to become something they, they do or are currently doing. Um, we have people in our connect groups or in our extended families or Christian communities uh, that are in that season of life. And so it's helpful for us all to think about what the Bible has to say about it. Uh, and can I say at the start as well, I want to acknowledge that some of the stuff we will talk about is going to be challenging. Uh, it's going to be challenging because maybe it uh, rubs against uh, ideas or approaches we've had in the past, or it challenges how we've always thought about these relationships. Maybe it might bring up things in the past that have been difficult uh, and hurtful. And I just want to acknowledge that off the cuff because uh, it is a challenging topic for some, but we're going to do our best to hopefully hear uh, what Scripture has to say on this issue. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, four key biblical principles Firstly, we're looking at uh, dating with marriage in view. Uh, we're looking at biblical parameters for dating partners, uh, honouring Christ in our dating relationships, and dating in community. 
Uh, and then we're going to consider how the gospel gives us hope, how it gives us strength and power to, to date well uh, and in a way that honors Christ. So how about I pray uh, and then we'll get straight into it. Father, we thank you that your word uh, is alive. We thank you, Lord, that even though uh, dating might be a modern concept, we thank you that your word gives us guidance. Uh, and we pray that as we uh, look at what uh, some of the principles are and apply them particularly to dating, Lord, that you'd help us to, uh, to really consider, Lord, how you would call us uh, to date differently if we're in that season or how you would call us to mentor and encourage others uh, who might be in that season presently. Uh, help me to be faithful uh, to you and your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the first thing we're looking at is the, the topic, oh, the, the idea of dating with marriage in view. Uh, now, we're going we're gonna to look at marriage over the next few weeks, so I'm not going to really uh, go into depth at all, but I just want to scratch the surface because in today's society, dating is about, uh, sorry, dating is the way in which we find a, a potential marriage partner. And so it's important for us to think about what marriage is biblically. Uh, so in Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 18, if you want to turn there, uh, the, for context, God's just created the world. He's just uh, created uh, everything in it. He's created humanity. Uh, and he says that all these things are good, but he says that it wasn't good for man to be alone. Uh, and so we see in verse 18, it says, The Lord, sa- Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And if you jump down to verse 20 after, the animals, including dogs, have been found not to be a compatible helper. Uh, the Bible says that, But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And whilst he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Church, right there, we have the first married couple. And from that point, if we look throughout Scripture, marriage plays a key role uh, in God's people and in societies. Indeed, marriage and the, the, the family unit that comes from it uh, became uh, the, really a, a core essence or a, a part of the backbone of society. And in many cultures today, it's still the case. And throughout the Bible, God often uses marriage as a metaphor for His relationship with His people. Uh, and so it's, it's an understanding it's an understatement to say that, biblically speaking, marriage is important. It's a, it's a big decision. And in Hebrews 13, verse 4, it says, that, um, it says that marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Marriage is important biblically. And in today's society, if dating is how we find a marriage partner, we ought to think about how we can conduct ourselves in dating relationships in a way that respects and honors marriage as it ought to be. Uh, and so two application points, two ways in which we can date with marriage in view. Firstly, we ought to date with marriage as the goal. Now, I want to say in the same breath that we have to acknowledge that this is not advocating, as sometimes we fall into the trap of believing, it's not advocating that dating is a one-way street to marriage. It's not, date, it's not advocating for the fact that as uh, Christians, we need to ignore red flags, we need to uh, just make things work and just make a beeline for the altar as if that was uh, the holy thing to do. We're not talking about that. And I think over the years, particularly in certain Christian circles, that's the mistake we make. That as Christians, when we date, it just means we have to just find a way to get married. And that's not the case. If dating is about finding whether or not the person we're dating is someone uh, that God would have us marry, sometimes the rightful answer to that question is no, right? And that is okay. So we're not talking about 
doing everything we can to just make it to the altar. But what we are talking about, or we are talking against, is what culture often defines today as casual dating, where we often date with the express intention of not marrying, right? And the sad reality is that in church sometimes as well, that culture has crept in, where we say, you know, I'm dating this person, but I know I'm not going to marry them, uh, but I'm just dating them for the here and now, and at some point I will settle down and find someone to marry. Um, or when we go into dating relationships, we go in not with a, 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 a desire to see if this person is or isn't someone we can marry, but it's just a desire for a bit of fun, a bit of fun for the here and now, as if dating was an end in itself. And dating with marriage in view means that we ought to honor marriage. We ought to honor the fact that personal relationships that start sometimes with dating and maybe end up in marriage is a, is a big deal. There's a lot of emotions, there's heart issues, the desires that are at play, and so we can't be flippant with it. And so dating, that's what dating is. Dating is about finding whether or not this is someone that God would have us marry. But on the flip side, dating with marriage also means that we, we date and conduct ourselves in a way that honors marriage or future marriage. One of the um, helpful pieces of advice I remember getting and one of the challenging questions uh, I remember a, a mentor of mine asking me when Caitlin and I started dating for the first time was something along these lines. And it was, if Caitlin and I, while we're dating, if, if we broke up, and we got married to different people later on, would we be able to say that we honoured our respective marriages by the way we conducted ourselves in that dating relationship? And that was something that challenged me because it could relate to how we treat each other emotionally. It could relate to how we uh, maintain sexual boundaries. It could be about how we encourage or discourage each other in our faith. There's a whole host of things. But often, the, what, what happens in dating relationships, what happens before we get married, can have a big impact on marriage, whether or not marriage, whether or not we get married to that person. I'm sure you have, I know I have heard testimonies of people who've uh, made mistakes in, in their dating life and that has had implications for their marriage later down the track. And so when we date, we want to remember that, hey, we're figuring out, is this someone that God could marry? And we want to conduct ourselves in a way that seeks to honor that. That's our first point this morning. If we are currently dating, are we dating with marriage in view? Or if we're not dating but we're eager to, is marriage our desire or are we treating dating as an end in itself? So that's our first point, which brings us to the second one. If, if dating is about finding whether or not we can marry someone, what are biblical parameters, if you like, for dating and for dating partners? Now, off the cuff again, I want to say I'm not here to give a list. I'm not here to give a list of things to look for um, or, or rules, quite honestly, because I'm not an expert at it. Um, and honestly, I don't think a list of rules is helpful. In wisdom and in prayer, there's going to be many things that we say, hey, I want to see that in a potential spouse. When I'm dating, getting to know someone, I want to, to, to look for these characteristics. But what we will do is we're going to look at just two uh, base parameters, if you like. And again, these apply to marriage. Uh, but again, if dating is about finding whether or not we are, could be marrying this person, they apply to dating as well. And the two parameters are this. The two parameters are firstly that the person must be of the opposite gender and they must be a believer. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on the first one um, because we're actually going to have a, a sermon later on in the series about same-sex attraction and things like that. But suffice to say that the biblical view of marriage and indeed dating is uh, one man and one woman. But we will look at the second one. And again, off the cuff, I know that this is challenging. I know that this is really hard for some of us to hear. 
And to be honest, I've wrestled with it too. Even before Caitlin and I started dating, that question of like, oh, really? Is, is this really what I'm called to do? Some of us maybe are here and what we're going to talk about is going to be hard because it's gonna, we're going to be wrestling with real emotions and affections for someone or for, for people. And that's hard. And we want to acknowledge that off the cuff. But I hope that we can explore and examine what Scripture says together. Uh, and so again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, often when we want to talk about this, sometimes we'll jump to the verse about being unequally yoked, and, and there's some merit to that. But I think this verse actually is a little bit more direct. Uh, now, for context, if you were in Connect Groups a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we read that as part of the study. Uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinthians, and he's evidently responding to certain questions or things that they were wrestling with. And he gives advice to people who are married, those who are unmarried, those who are engaged, etc. And he at the end of chapter 70, he gets to uh, particularly widows. Uh, and he says this. He says to, to, to women who husband, whose husbands have died, he says, A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband died, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. It's probably one of the most direct uh, verses on the topic that he's saying, hey, if your spouse dies, you're no longer bound in that marriage covenant, so you're free to remarry, but as long as that person is in the Lord. Now, when the Bible talks about being in the Lord or belonging to the Lord, it's not uh, some sort of loose connection to Christianity. It's not so, something around, oh, they, they come to church two, three times a year, so that's great, or they come from a good family. It's someone who has a, a real living and active relationship with Jesus, someone who has accepted Jesus as their Savior, as their Redeemer, and seeks to live their life with Christ as Lord. And Paul is saying, hey, if you're looking for a, 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 a person to get married to, you're free to do so as you please as long as they belong to the Lord. Now, unless we're going to make the step in saying that Paul is giving an extra commitment or an extra command to those who are getting married for the second time that doesn't apply to those who've never been married, the reality is, is true that even in dating relations, whether or not we've, uh, we're widows or widowers looking to get remarried or dating for the first time and looking to get married for the first time, the call is still the same to look for a, a spouse who belongs to the Lord. And again, that's, that's hard because the reality of it is some of us, we've been waiting a really, really long time. And we might find someone and it's like, oh, the chemistry is really good. The, the friendship is really, really good. They're a very kind and genuine person, perhaps even more kind and, and generous than some Christians that we might have met in the past. And there's a real wrestle where we say, hey, everything here is good except for this one thing. And so we, we wrestle and we talk and we, 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 ho we ho try to hold the tension. And we say, you know, maybe, maybe I can change them. Or maybe we can find a way to make it work for both of us where I do my thing and they'll do their thing and so it's all okay. Friends, it's, it's hard. But can I encourage you that when, when God gives us parameters, when God gives us boundaries, God is not in the business of trying to rob us of something good. It's the same lie that Satan told to Adam and Eve in the garden, that God was hold, withholding something good. But in reality, these boundaries and these, these guidelines are for our good. It's for the thriving and the flourishing of our relationships. And to illustrate that, I want to give us two examples. One uh, from the Bible, uh, and one a bit more practical, a bit more uh, personal in this regard. Firstly, the biblical one. This command, this call, which again is really, really difficult is not necessarily unique to the New Testament. Uh, way back in the Old Testament, in, in the book of Ge uh, Deuteronomy, God gives a similar command to the people of Israel. And he says to them, he says, hey, uh, in chapter 7, it's on the screen there, I think, as well. 
he says to them, do not intermarry with them, that is people uh, from other nations who, who weren't the people of God. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. Now, when God's talking about not marrying people from other nations, what he means is people who do not belong to the family of God. In the Old Testament, the, the, the ethnic nation of Israel, if you like, were, were the people of God. And so obviously it's different in today's society where most of us are not uh, Jewish um, by heritage, but we have been welcomed into the family of Christ um, as Gentiles, and that's a great thing. But the principle is still the same. To use the language of the New Testament, God was saying to them, don't let your children marry people who do not belong to the Lord for they may be led astray. In fact, the language is a little bit stronger than that. And you know what strikes me? If I, if I was to ask the question, I said, aside from Jesus, who, who is the, the wisest person in all of the Bible besides Jesus? Right? Sunday school answer people would say, Solomon, right? Solomon. Besides Jesus, Solomon is often described as being a man of great wisdom, Someone who, um, which means he, he, was, he was an expert really at taking what God had said in his word and applying it to the practical situations of life. But interestingly, in 1 Kings, we're told of how Solomon disobeyed this one command. We're told uh, that, in fact, he didn't just take um, a, a wife who didn't belong to the Lord. He took multiple wives. And in verse 4 of chapter 11 in the book of 1 Kings, it says, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. Now, if Solomon, who's perhaps, again, aside from Jesus, said to be one of the wisest people in all the Bible, was led astray, what gives us confidence that we will be the exception? What gives us the confidence that we will be different? I'm not saying that God in his grace can't do something. But the, the, what gives us the confidence to say that we will be that exception? Or a little bit more practical in a modern example. Caitlin and I were, were dating for about 16 months or so um, and been married for a few months now. And one of the things that I've really, really enjoyed, even if I haven't realized it all the time, is the joy of the fact that we both know Jesus. Because when life is tough and when there's stressful situations, it's, it's so reassuring to know that both of us are praying people. When uh, I've been challenged by something I've read or a sermon uh, and I come and I want to share. Can you, can you imagine if Caitlin didn't know Jesus? And I was saying, God is doing this amazing work in this country. It's so good. Imagine what her response might be. Or it would be difficult to say the least. Or when we fight and we argue from time to time, it's so reassuring to know that Caitlin values our vows the way I do because we value our commitment before the Lord. Our shared faith gives us the, the strength to be able to get through difficult times and for our relationship to flourish. So when God gives us parameters, he's not giving it for the sake of giving rules. There's not a quota of rules he has to give to his people. God is giving us these parameters that seek to enhance and, and um, amplify our joy in our romantic relationships. And so if these are God's parameters for marriage and dating is the way that today we figure out whether or not we can marry a certain person, then these parameters apply as well. And like I said, these are just base premises, perhaps and rightfully, a lot more that you could add to that in wisdom and in prayer. But as a starting point, are these the things that we are looking for? Which brings us to our third point then this morning, honoring Christ uh, in dating relationships. If you remember back to last week, we looked at friendships. 
Uh, and we looked at particularly through the lens of um, being an ambassador for Christ and what that means in the context of our friendships and how as friends we're called to be people that point others Christward, people that um, are winsomely honest, that love sacrificially. And like we said last week, that calling and that identity is not just unique to friendships, it's a calling for all areas of life. And it's true also for dating relationships. We're called to be ambassadors as boyfriends and, and girlfriends, as fiancés. We're called to be ambassadors to our dating partner. And there's many practical applications you could draw from that. One of it is the, the need to encourage one another in our spiritual walks in the midst of our relationship. I know I've heard some stories of, of Christians who perhaps dated for a number of months or even a year or two, and they've never talked about matters of spirituality. They've never shared about their faith. They've never perhaps talked about uh, things that are important to them. And, and as Christians, when we date, we, we, we ought to seek to, to have Christ at the center of our relationship, to talk about important things, to, to pray together when possible, to read a devotional maybe, to serve in ministry together. And of course, that deepens and develops as the relationship goes on. We're not saying share your deepest, darkest sin struggles on your first date, Right? <laughs> In wisdom, we say, hey, as the relationship goes, that should be a, a, a part of the relationship. So go on cute, picturesque dates, go to movies, go out and do all these great things, but find a way to make Christ be at the center still in your relationships. Or another way our calling as ambassadors influences dating relationships is by setting healthy boundaries. Now, we often talk about that in the context of physical boundaries uh, and, and not trying to find the line and go as close as we can without going over, but fleeing sexual temptation, having accountability around it. But other boundaries too might include emotional boundaries about how, we, how much we share and when we share uh, so that we don't get too far ahead of where the relationship might actually be at. Uh, it might be boundaries around time so that we're not spending 24-7 with our dating partner and neglecting the other things that God might be calling us to do in these relations. There's, there's other uh, boundaries you might want to employ. Or thirdly, it might look like creating a healthy culture of forgiveness and repentance in dating relationships. The reality is dating is messy sometimes. And often, as two sinful people coming uh, into a, a relationship for the first time, there's sins against one another, there's mistakes made, there's harsh words sent, said against each other. But as Christians, if we allow the gospel and identity to influence how we conduct ourselves, we ought to create a culture in our relationship where we can apologize and seek forgiveness and repentance from one another, and together to do that before the Lord where appropriate. And again, there's plenty of other application points you could add. But the key question is, is Christ being exalted through my relationship? Is he at the center of it? That's our third characteristic this morning. Our dating relationships ought to seek to have Christ at the center with both dating partners being ambassadors, being people that point each other Christward in the way we conduct ourselves in that relationship. Our fourth and final principle then, though, is dating in community. I'm sure some of us might know people who at one point in time were, were regular, maybe at CG or in our friendship groups, and they came out, but after a while when they started dating, slowly but surely they stopped doing those things. Uh, and, and they became almost like a little silo unto themselves. Uh, but as Christians, we desperately need the counsel of other believers in relationships. Again, look at a couple of verses from Proverbs. Chapter 11, verse 14 says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Or 15 verse 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now again, the need to seek counsel is not unique to only dating relationships. But if dating is the way in which we uh, figure out whether or not we can marry someone, and if um, 
we're, and if, if, as we've seen, the decision about whether or not to marry is a big decision, how much more do we need that counsel in dating relationships? You know, it's interesting. We live in a time where we have so much information at our fingertips, right? All you've got to do is jump on Google uh, and you can type in any question you like about anything and you'll get some answers. How long uh, should I date before I get married? Is it okay to date casually? What are some red flags to look for in dating relationships? And you know what? Some of that information is helpful. It's great that we have access to all of that. But that doesn't replace the need for real people to be our counselors, to be guides, and to be people to give us wisdom. And you know why? Because often, and I've done this before, I will admit it openly, when I read an article that I don't like, that contradicts what I'm saying, all I've got to do is jump back a page, scroll a little bit further, and I'll find something that says what I want it to say, even if it was completely wrong, even if it was completely unwise. On the internet, you can find a whole lot of things. But when you have people who know you, when you have people who have the, the, been given the sting to speak into your life, it completely changes things. Uh, in a book called Not Yet Married, uh, Marshall Segal, he writes this about this need to be dating in community. Uh, and he says, real friendship with real life-on-life -life accountability may not offer the same amount of information or advice as impersonal resources like Google. Uh, and you may not always like what it has to say, but it will bring one new critical dimension to your dating relationships. It knows you. We all need a third wheel in life and in dating. People who truly know us and love us and want what's best for us, even if it's not what we want in that moment. Church, we need each other. And if this is, if you've checked out, uh, even though we ask you not to, but if you've checked out because you're not in the season of dating anymore, this is where we check back in, especially because we need to be that community for one another. For those who, who are here that are dating or uh, are about to start dating or are single but wanting to date, we all need that kind of community. Again, when, when Caitlin and I started dating, I was so glad that I had uh, a number of guys in my, my life that I'd given the power to speak into my relationship and speak into how I was carrying myself and how things were going. Uh, so a mentor of mine would often ask me really more spiritual questions where he'd say, you know, what are the Christ-like qualities that you're seeing in Caitlin? Or how are you going maintaining physical boundaries? Or can you see your calling that God has on your life lining up with her calling that God has on her life? Some of my friends might ask more practical questions around boundaries or uh, around, you know, how we deal with conflict, what activities we enjoy together, whether or not Caitlin was willing to watch the Roosters games every single weekend, which is important for marital unity, can I say? Really important questions. But suffice to say, different people ask different questions. It's incredible how the different people asking those different questions brought a different perspective. And gave me a sense of soberness when I was able to see things that I could not see for myself. It helped me stay grounded. It was so helpful for me. So much so that when I went to them and I'd say, hey, I'm thinking of popping the question. It was such a joy that these, these, these men in my life that had the authority to speak into it were saying, yes, we're with you on that. Because dating community, I, I needed that counsel and I was really grateful to have it. Dating community is so important. Now, I'm not saying that we need to get up in front of the church and announce to everyone that we're dating. That, that would be very, very scary. But there's an issue if no one in your Christian community knows about your relationship. Or if you're dating for months and months and months and no one in your family or people who can speak into your life know. And for those of us who are single but eager to date in the near future, start those habits now. 
That doesn't, we don't magically flick a switch and uh, do things differently when we start dating. Create the habits now of being in community, of opening yourself up to counsel and advice. Or for those who are currently in dating relationships, make an effort to maintain those other mentoring relationships or friendships with people that can speak into your life. We need to be that kind of community. People that welcome and mentor each other. Where dating uh, couples can be mentored and receive counsel as needed. And you know, when Caitlin and I started dating again, I was really lucky that uh, I was able to tell my family within sort of a week or two of it starting. Much, I, I thought I would never do that, but I did. And it was great, and they, they were really encouraging and really open and asked some hard questions too as well. But I know, particularly from uh, sort of doing uni ministry uh, over the years, that that's not the experience of a lot of people. Some people find it really hard to open up about romantic interests and, and, and relationships, often because they're afraid that their parents will be way too harsh with them. Or they're afraid that their parents have got such high expectations that they could never, ever meet, and so they're afraid to say anything. Or they're afraid to, to share in their Christian communities like connect groups or uh, in friendships because they're, they're afraid of gossip, of people saying, well, really, they're dating each other? Church, we need to be a community that it's characterized by a willingness to mentor and to encourage and to, to be available for people uh, who are in that season to be able to speak. Young men need you older men with so much more wisdom than we have to counsel us, to guide us, to challenge us, to rebuke us. Younger women need you older women to do the same for them. We need each other. If we want to have healthy dating relations, we have to be dating in community. That's our fourth and final principle this morning. We ought to be, as Christians, let's be uh, Christians that date in community, that have people, a handful of people that can speak into our lives and give us insight that we perhaps otherwise couldn't see. Which brings us then to our final point, a hopeful gospel for dating relationships. And I want to talk specifically to those in the room who perhaps are in that season of life right now, particularly those who maybe are currently dating or they are single and wanting to date. Or maybe those who have dated before and have been hurt and to this morning maybe has brought up some difficult issues. The reality, church, is that relationships are messy and dating relationships sometimes can be messy too. And often what makes it hard, what makes it hard to do the stuff we've done, to, to open up to community, to make difficult decisions, often it's hard because there's so much going on inside. We might know one thing, but there's desires in our hearts that make it difficult to actually live out. Perhaps some of us this morning, dating relationships or the ending of them have been really, really painful. And there's raw pain that you're experiencing. They've broken down. You're, you're left with the, the leftover pieces of your heart, as it were. Bittersweet memories, sadness, confusion, a fear of wondering if you're ever going to find someone. Or maybe it's the uncomfortability of having to work through how to navigate things forward now that you're in the same spaces, but you've broken up. That's really difficult. Maybe there's past trauma in those relationships. Others of us, some of the stuff we talked about might be really, really hard to digest. Because maybe we feel the tension between what we've said and really deep affections and genuine affections for someone who perhaps isn't a believer. Or maybe we don't want to open up and be in community. We don't want to do it. It's too hard to be that vulnerable. It's, too, it's, it's scary and we just don't want to do it. Others of us still maybe 
stuff we talked about this morning brings up past regrets, mistakes that have been made, boundaries that have been crossed. Maybe you've, you've recognized again that you've hurt someone or been hurt in a way in dating relationships. And friends, if that's you this morning, I want to reassure you that our faith in the gospel and Jesus offers you real and tangible hope. Hope that's not empty, that's not going to fail you, that's not going to leave you high and dry. Hope that's not going to break your heart the way perhaps dating relationships have. Hope that is absolutely worth it. Hope for stuff going on at the heart level. See, for those of us who are in Christ and have been united to him, as we've looked at before, it means that we have relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that we have now access to the God of all comfort, whose arms are wide-stretched, beckoning to come to bring your hurts, to bring your pain, your regrets, your fears, your mixed feelings, your doubts, and to come. Come and experience the comfort for your soul. Friends, in Christ, we find the satisfaction our hearts need. We find the strength our hearts need. When our heart fears whether we will ever find a spouse, in Christ, we find our hearts in the hands of the one who holds our future, who knits all things together for our good. When our hearts say that sexual temptation is just too strong, in Christ, we find that we've been given God's spirit who makes his home in our hearts, and empowers us to fight sin and say yes to the things of God and no to the things of the flesh. When our hearts are crushed by the pain of relationship breakdown, in Christ we have access to what the Bible says is the God of all comfort, the Father of all comfort, who promises rest for the heavy laden and the downtrodden. When we feel rejected and like an outcast, in Christ we have relationship with the one who was forsaken on our behalf so that we would always be welcomed in. When our hearts say, I need a relationship to know that I am loved, to know that I am valued, to know that I am a somebody, in Christ, we have a relationship with the bridegroom who loved you and valued you and cherished you so much that he died for you. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the wonderful reality of our relationship with Jesus. In him, we find the strength to do difficult things or make difficult decisions. In Him, we find the comfort that we need for past mistakes and regrets. In Him, we find the hope when things don't seem to be going our way. We find the hope to hold on, to keep going, and to persevere. And to borrow, as we come to a close, to borrow words from a song that we often sing. For those who are here this morning wrestling with pain and disappointment around dating relationships, for those who are feeling the discrepancy between what we've talked about and uh, perhaps how we're currently living, for those of us who are racked with guilt, with doubts, with hard feelings about our dating relationship or about the dating relationship of someone we deeply love, when our hearts are heavy about past mistakes, run to the Father and fall into grace. Be done with the hiding, the sorrow and the strain. There's no reason to wait. Your heart needs a surgeon and your soul needs a friend to run to the Father again and again and again. Church, that is the beauty of our relationship with Jesus. We can run to the Father. We can fall into his arms. We can bring all that is on our hearts and all that's on our minds. Church, dating can be messy. It can be challenging. It can be painful. But when we allow our faith and the gospel and God's word to shape these relationships we give ourselves the best chance of honoring Jesus in the midst of it and maybe one day should God grant it be so finding a spouse with whom we can enjoy the wonders and joy of Christ's exalting God honoring 
marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God of comfort. We thank you that you are a God who is with us. We thank you that we now have access to you. So, Father, we bring our hearts to you. Lord, particularly those of us who uh, perhaps are wrestling with uh, difficulties uh, of our, in our past uh, or difficult decisions that we might need to make or regrets or doubts or mixed emotions, whatever it is. Father, I pray that you will bring comfort, that you will bring peace, that you will bring uh, an experience of your presence and your joy that is like none other. And Lord, for, for, the, for those of us who perhaps might not be in that stage but have the opportunity to be the community uh, that supports and encourages and counsels uh, other couples in that st- season of life. Father, I pray that you give us the courage to do so. Lord, that we would have the courage to be willing to maybe sacrifice a night to catch up with a younger brother or sister uh, or to uh, build that relationship in a way where if they open up the opportunity, Lord, that we can speak in and bring counsel. Father, I pray that you would make us a community like that. And ultimately, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would honor you in the midst of dating. Lord, we recognize that it's hard. We recognize there's difficulties. Lord, we recognize there's a lot going on on our heart level, Lord, when it comes to this uh, topic. But, Father, I pray that you would empower us by your spirit to to date well if that's our season of life, Lord, and that in doing so we can bring honor to you uh, and glory to your name. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.